Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here at webmasterradio.fm. It's the 26th of February, 2015. Mark that, mark that down. It's the 26th of February, 2015. It's, uh... It's Net Neutrality Day. Just under an hour ago, the FCC voted to reclassify the Internet as a utility. The Internet is um, basically now protected. Net neutrality is um, the unwritten law of the land. Happy Net Neutrality Day, Dave. Well, thank you, Jim. And... uh you know, you and I have had some had some fun over the years uh, debating and uh, and battling this one, and uh, I, I'd say some some enjoyable conversations. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think what I what I'm liking about this um, win is it does what a what it logically should be doing, which is putting it back under the Communications Act. Yeah. Um, and it is it is a a primary. I'm on Skype right now. <laughs> like you can't tell me it's not a communications tool. Um, so I, I, I'm, I appreciate the the win. I think it's a, a good logical win. Um, I don't know who the guys were, the the two of them who decided to vote with uh, with cable on this one. Uh, Michael O'Reilly and Ajit Pai. I don't know. I'm probably mispronouncing that last name. But um, anyway, happy net neutrality day, my friend. Um. Before before we move on, like I just want to re- reiterate what this is and what this isn't. Okay. Hey. A little bit of Sousa will cheer you up every time. Um, that's perfect music for 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 today. This is uh, this is not the U.S. government taking control of the internet, even though it kind of is. <laughs> um, this is the U.S. government saying no one's allowed to take control of the Internet. It's a public utility. So it's not a U.S. government takeover of the Internet. It's more of um, what happens when the government builds levees properly to keep floodwaters out. <laughs> Incidentally, I, I, I don't use that example lightly. Um, they have to actually build the levees correctly to keep the floodwaters out. I haven't read... What um, what's in this the the FCC proposal or what, what, I'm sorry what the FCC just passed? I I I know that it's now a title to utility. I understand the implications of that, but honestly, uh, Dave, this, the 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 people who wish to make money on the internet tend to be tend to be a very clever type of people. They do. <laughs> so it strikes me that the people who wish to make money providing internet services are also probably a very clever type of people. Yes, I would agree. So one thing that that net neutrality is not, it's not a guarantee that somehow your internet service provider or cable company will find a way to charge more money. 
they might find a way to charge you more money for the service you're, you're presently receiving. But it does mean that your cable company or ISP cannot degrade a competing signal. So everybody's internet signal, provided its legal content, is equal. Well, and for, I, I, don't think, I don't think either you or I has a problem with the fact that telecommunications or, or cable companies should have a right to charge what the market will bear for the programming that they're delivering. Right? I mean, that's, I think we're all in a great, this is, this is capitalism. If we, if we want the to fair system, income. Absolutely, not a problem. Um, but I, I think this was to your point and, and the point of everybody who is, um, you know, supporting net neutrality is, but then it's in my face, right? You're, I'm agreeing that this price is worth or, or this product and service is worth this price. I'm signing up for it. You know, mm-hmm. I know what I'm in for here rather than a point you brought up. Um, and I, I could never agree with you because we were debating. And so that, <laughs> that was going down. Uh, but yeah, you don't have, you know, Comcast having the ability to slow down traffic from YouTube, right? Or, or whatnot, whatever they, they wanted to do or whoever they wanted to go after, where you would never know and, and there was no ability for you to actually get in front of that and, and collect more, right? Like to, to just go, fine, I'll pay an extra five bucks and, and stream all my, you know, Netflix and stuff. So um, I, I think it's a great win. It puts everything much more in, in the face of, of what it needs to be in the face of, which is me, the consumer. Now, here's, here's one more thing that this ruling is not. It's not really a boon to anybody outside of the United States, except that it means the Internet will continue to operate exactly as it is right now um, within the United States and internationally. The, the thing is, the way American law affects the business environment in America on the Internet has an oversized effect on how the internet itself, for the for everyone around the world, how it functions. Yep. So Canadians are not going to see a lot of direct benefit. Not, neither will Brits or Germans or anybody. Won't see a lot of direct benefit from the FCC ruling today. For instance, Rogers, even though they, they say they don't, um, will continue to uh, subtly degrade services like Netflix and sometimes Skype. I mean, they say they don't, but I think they do. There's no law in Canada saying they can't. Right. There's just a tradition that that we hope our uh, ISPs respect. So that doesn't change anything in my relationship with my ISP. But it means that there won't be extra costs to my ISP incurred in the transmission of the signal from down, from down south, from America. Right. It also means, again, that... that um, Every American is going to enjoy a free and open internet, unfettered by any by commercial or political interest. Doesn't get better, does it? Well, I mean, if the it, it will when we all have printers that just print currency. But <laughs> that only that only be better for a short time because that has its own inherent problems. <laughs> yeah, just slightly. Speaking of printers that print currency. This is gonna. This is gonna. This is gonna totally surprise you. Okay. All right. You ready for it? I'm ready. How much money do you think Google's making off of YouTube? Uh, by the way, if, if you're tempted to say a lot, that would be a valid answer. That that's that's the only answer I would have. Well, that would be wrong. <laughs> um, I led you on there. Sorry. As it turns out, according to the Wall Street Journal. 
YouTube accounts for about 6% of Google's overall sales in 2014. Yeah. But it didn't contribute a thing to earnings. Google has spent a lot of money this year upgrading its uh, its equipment, um, working on technologies that allow it to send so much video to so many people at exactly the same time. Right. Imagine the uh, bandwidth load that YouTube represents. It's unimaginable, eh? Oh, I know. I, I, I think actually one of my kids might actually be part of the problem that Google is facing and profiting from YouTube. Well, to service, to service your kids' needs to either consume content or very, very likely create and post his own content, yep. Google has had to upgrade its equipment um, to the tune of um, over a billion dollars in 2014. And also, I mean, the, the YouTube pays out um, at uh, content creators who allow advertising. And YouTube is also paying, specifically paying for, for certain content creators to keep on creating. So you put all those bills together, and YouTube is kind of running a break-even rather than contributing to any profits. Couple that with Google recently cutting back the amount that it's giving um, many content, most content creators, mm-hmm. it turns out nobody's making money off YouTube. <laughs> that stunned me. That, that's a piece that I found in the register uh, earlier today, and that totally stunned me. Yeah, that surprises me too. I mean, when you read it, um, it actually starts to come together and to make more sense. It's like, right, here are all these costs that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have necessarily really thought of like the massive you, you know you think how much bandwidth does google need for youtube you think heaps heaps and heaps um but yeah when you actually start to put a dollar value on the infrastructure to keep it running mm-hmm. yeah and then you got gangham just causing them even more money uh <laughs> you know so um yeah it, it's it's not too surprising um but you know what i mean as long as they're a break even you know which they're roughly at according to google um you know there you are. They'll keep it running. I'm sure the thing is, I'm sure they are profiting. They're just not profiting directly. It's like a like a, an aided click in AdWords, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, but they're pulling more data on my likes and dislikes. And I'm sure they're using that on the ad side, right, to make more money off me over there. So, Well, uh, not only that, um, let's remember that it takes years to build a media corporation. Um, now, YouTube is part of a much larger media corporation, most certainly. But um, think, I mean, think of the disruption that's happening in video um, in, in, in people's watching habits. YouTube is kind of like replaced um, Instacrave TV, hasn't it? Yeah. So um, that's a huge disruption in the way three generations before did something. And the business model that supported the way three generations before did something. Google's got to be in this for a long-haul play with YouTube. Um, There will be, well, actually, who's to say, as technology advances so much faster and faster, who's to say when Google will have to stop making infrastructure investment? Or at least when that infrastructure investment can slow to a point where they can take some money out of this thing. Um, 
but in the in the in the competition between like you know Google and Netflix, AOL, um, uh, uh, HBO, um, and Amazon, Google has its own. Google has more than just its own broadcast network. It has the entire platform, and under the uh, new net neutrality rules, could very quickly become the dominant carrier in America. Yeah. Um, so they're in this for a very long haul. Well, that's it. That's it. And we know, I mean, Google is an advertising engine, right? That's, that's what they are. They're not even produce. They don't produce content. I mean, I know they do on a limited scale, but, um, they don't produce the content that they're making money off of. So, um, they have to be in it for the long haul. Things have to have time to grow. Um, I'm guessing that what we saw in 2014 was just a catalyst to what's, to what's coming next. Um, you know, in the, as far as the, the generations and, and evolutions and like you, like you just mentioned, I think they've had to do a large, large upgrade right now. Um, but hopefully for their end, um, that'll support them, uh, you know, for, for at least a good few years, let them, uh, sort of make a, make a little profit. Cause I hear Google's really hurting. Um, yeah, <laughs> I realized who I was saying, I hope they make a little profit. Yeah. This isn't their only branch. So I'm, they're making money just fine. You know? Back in the day, my pappy told me about this bush he grew in the backyard. This bush was really cool, but it grew way too big, and they stopped pruning the top branches, and eventually it started to fall over. <laughs> and sometimes I worry about Google. <laughs> you know? Um, my my, my, my um, pappy might know a heck of a lot about Google, but got to know when to trim the top branches. Or um, Google, uh, well... Have you seen some pretty weird experiments in uh, the composition of search result pages in the last week? Why, yes, Jim, I have. What makes well, you ask? <laughs> I don't know. Just observation. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've seen it, too. And also because we were shooting all that stuff around on Facebook earlier this week. Yeah. Um, Google's result sets are... Um, not as strong as they've been historically. And that um, floating map that they were experimenting with for a couple of days, the map would move up and down with your map. It was horrible. Um, what's, your, what's your sense on, I don't know what the word I'm trying to look for. Just I don't know how Google's doing right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having a really hard time with this too. I find it a really, really peculiar set yeah we're seeing a lot of very rapid um testing now to us it's it's rapid right i mean in that you know things are popping in and popping out over a day um you know fact of the matter is in any other environment we would be in it would require much, like when they're doing a b testing they can pull a lot they they, they have mm-hmm. a couple of users <laughs> so they can pull a lot of data really fast i i can't explain nor i think can anybody maybe somebody at Google can, why it's so rapid, right? Like why it's just in, out, in, and that there's so many different um, permutations that we're seeing in the way um, SERPs are being displayed. Um, you know, de- one can debate the actual SERPs themselves and, and their quality. But um, yeah, I, I, I am finding it very, very curious. I'm not sure why they're doing it as rapidly as they are unless they know that right now is historically like a lower period for business engagement or something. Like they're just trying to test new layouts at a time when uh, it might cause less disruption. 
Um, I got a sort of different sense on it. I'm seeing a lot of repetition and redundant result sets. Um, I'm often seeing um, the same domain pages from the same domain coming up in the in result sets when they I don't think that they should be there. Um, it's it's more relational to the domain, not to the topic of search. And there are better results that could have filtered into there. Um, and incidentally, this isn't because any one of my clients has lost position. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, so so you're referring to the actual search results one through ten, as opposed to the actual page layout. Well, both actually. That's the thing. Both. Um, and I'm seeing change happening in both places, and it's—I just find it very curious. But the, yeah. the result, the constitution of the result sets themselves, is really annoying me. Um, I've always found Google changing things around to either be, unless it directly affected click behavior, um, like really impacting click behavior. It's mostly window dressing to me. Right. But why results come up in the order they come up? I'm intensely curious about. Right. And, you know what? And this is, okay, you're bringing up a good point. And I was sort of thinking more on, on layout. Um, but I have been seeing a lot, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well, I've been seeing a lot more of multiple results on the page, one that is, is relevant, one that isn't. It reminded me, without the advantage of the indent, of, of search results of what, five, six years ago. I, I'm guesstimating on time here. It might be earlier, slightly more recent. But I'm sure you remember those days where there were, that happened all the time. There were all yeah. sorts of indented results. But at least they were clearly indent, like they were indented, so you knew same domain, different different page. You could make your pick from them. Um, so yeah, I, I am seeing much more of that than I was until say a week ago, maybe two. Yeah. Um, by the way, just for the listeners, no insto advice here. There's no action items coming up or anything. Just uh, an observation that this is happening out there, and um, maybe it's not happening anymore because <laughs> um, these things. From the, Dave's right. There is a flux of change that appears to be happening in in, uh, in uh, search results. So. Um, just sort of shrug my shoulders at the microphone, and that's a pretty good time to do what I'm afraid I got to do. We got to go to a break here because we're at 20 minutes past the hour on the uh, 26th of February, 2015. Um, net neutrality day from now until evermore. Um, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media. You listen to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around; we got more coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Whether you are an online business or domain investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. 
Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. All-inclusive marketing is the luxurious five-star resort of digital marketing. Welcome to All-Inclusive Marketing. Engage with All-Inclusive Marketing's award-winning strategists to ramp up your online profitability and brand exposure, driving new customer acquisitions, increased sales, and stronger buyer retention. Another mojito, please? All-Inclusive Marketing's full-service digital and performance marketing accommodates every brand, specializing in retail, travel, and software as a service. What a great room. The A in All-Inclusive Marketing means award-winning winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 26th of February, 2015, Net Neutrality Day. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and uh, here's a good one. Here's a good one to start the next next segment off with, Dave. Um, and this is kind of a curveball because we haven't discussed this yet, but um, this just came up in the uh, the SEM post, John Mueller took 10 minutes to um, explain his feelings on exact match domains. What do you think about exact match domains? You're like, keyword, keyword, keywords.com. Um, I think there's some good ones out there. Um, you know, if, if you wanted, if you owned the domain seoservices.com, I, I don't know who does. That's funny. I haven't been there in ages. But um, if you own that, do I think that it would be a, a good domain to have? Sure, take SEO value aside. Is that a good domain to have? Sure. <laughs> but from an uh, SEO perspective, should SEO-services.com rank any better than, say, um, uh, joeswebmasters.com? Um, in my experience, yes. Uh, but I, I take it not from the content, and I, I, I haven't heard what John Mueller had to say, from my perspective on things and, and from, from my experiences. It's not... I think when Google took away the exact match benefit, it was taking away the you have the domain that doesn't mean you rank. Fact is, when the when you do have an exact match domain, a lot of that anchor text coming into your site <laughs> is, is going to be related to your keywords because that's how it works. Now it may be an HTTP format, but some of it's going to be related to you know to use my example SEO space services, even though your SEO services dot com or whatever. Um, so I think it. it it has to help with that anchor text relevancy. But, Jim, tell me from the horse's mouth, what did he have to say about it? Well, I'm not going to take 10 minutes to uh, to phrase what, what John had to say about it. Um, I guess it can best be um, paraphrased as, well, it depends. That's how How's he that? answers everything. <laughs> well, so. Okay. Here's how it goes. Um More or less for the horse's mouth, although I, I urge people, as Max West is coming up next week, um, incidentally, Search Fest in Portland is happening right now. Um, and uh, ask Google representatives yourself if you, um, you know, happen to happen to to uh, find John, um, you know, hiding away in a corner. Ask him yourself. But basically, here's what he says: It can be a signal that it's a bad site. 
it's been over SEO'd, but it might not be a signal because quite frequently the uh, words in the domain describe the business. So maybe, maybe not. Um, you can have the, the, an example he used was redapples.com and you can have a shop that sells red apples, but it doesn't mean that you get like more, you're entitled to more search traffic just because you have red apples. Other people sell red apples as well. But if it matches your brand and your product and a lot of people start searching for it, it might become a benefit for you. However, <laughs> um, it's, in most cases, it's probably a signal that there's, you know, Google will raise a flag at an exact match domain. But it, that doesn't necessarily mean that flag is going to trip any issues for you. So really, honestly, ten minutes of maybe, maybe not. Yeah, he he likes to answer things that way. <laughs> At least Matt, you know, Matt managed to do it, saying essentially the same thing. It depends, but you kind of felt like he'd informed you about something, even though after the fact you were like, I don't really know what he was what the conclusion is, but I feel like he told me something <laughs> and, I, and I've got an action item. I just don't know what that action item is. Um, you know, it, it is to me at the end of the day, like at your worst case scenario. And I, I think, you know, you're looking for penalties. If you have like SEO hyphen services, hyphen company, hyphen agency, hyphen internet marketing, right? Like, okay, clearly we're not talking about those as exact match domains here. Um, but if nothing else, when I see that exact match, red apples, let's use his, his example. If I'm looking up red apples and if the number one or two site is redapples.com, what are the odds that I'm going to click it? Now, we do know click-through rate is a factor. We know the stick time on the other site is a factor. So if that can improve my click-through rate, then indirectly it has aided my SEO. It's, it's one of those logic will dictate. I, I think when you should and shouldn't use it. And the fact is, is that the times when you should use it, you should be using it for its click-through benefits and just memory benefits. Um, and so any SEO benefits become a, a secondary um, secondary byproduct and win. Well, indeed. You know what? There probably is zero SEO benefit, but there's there may well be, as, as you said, marketing value and the phrasing of links into your site will be um, dependent or may well be influenced by by your domain. Yeah. Well, that was a question that we've needed. To, that was a question we've needed to cover for a long time, don't you think? Here's I another. I think so. Okay. One. This, is, this is another one of those weird SEO questions. Um, the title H one H two. I'm sorry. Uh, title and H one tag matching. Yep. This came up um, earlier this week because of uh, again John Mueller doing a webmaster um, a webmaster uh, central hangout. Our Webmaster Central Hangout with um, um, Stacy. I'm struggling to remember her last name from the Google News team. Yep, I'll have it in a few moments. I actually wrote a um, short essay for one of my clients specifically about that hangout. Um, anyway, in in that hangout that that happened um, late last week or, or earlier this week, um, it was noted that. In Google News specifically, they want the title of the page to match the H1 title applied at the top of the content. 
for Google News, which is a different search engine than the, the, the Google Organic search engine, mm-hmm. this was an important note of quality. The debate then started up in organic SEO. Should this happen? And I suggest that debate that debate um, 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 has started up mostly because of the default nature of um, content management systems like WordPress, right? Where the title is often the same as the um, H one text applied to the top of content, right? What do you think? Um, I've always and and I think an important distinction that he that he makes in the piece um, is that. It's not that it has to be identical but consistent, right? It, it, when we're dealing with the web, not news, those points are, are entirely spot on. Um, but then when he was continuing over in um, the Webmaster Help thread or when he was talking about it, he was mentioning that the tags need to be um, – that they don't need to be exact. They just need to be consistent. So it's not it's – not, these are the same, the same thing. So an, an important distinction. Um, I've always felt they should be. Um, and, and here's – I mean – well, here's here's where my my logic on this has has always laid is um, I, I've got somebody they've searched up whatever red apples um, mm-hmm. and I, I've delivered this title tag to them. The fact that they've clicked it the second they actually get a chance to see my H one tag, I know they've clicked on my search engine result. Um, so in my mind, it makes a lot of sense for the the most prominent context on the page to be something I know that that visitor is attracted to um, or attracted enough to to click on. So the fact that they've clicked on this text tells me that should be the next thing they see because I know that's something that they're clearly comfortable with and that it defines my page well for their needs. So I, I've always relied uh, – well, I, should, I shouldn't say always, but for, for the past good number of years anyway, um, relied on title H1s to be very, very similar. Slight, slight differences for length or whatnot, but um, to be very similar. And it's just based on that I know if they've clicked on it in the SERP that they're comfortable with that term, so I should make my – my titles and maybe my first words on the page, similar to my description for, for exactly the, the same reason. Well, up, up until the advent of, uh, again, content, content management systems like WordPress uh, or Drupal, um, I would have adamantly disagreed. Where I would be like, <laughs> you know, make sure that your title and your uh, H1 text are actually different because they're different elements of the page. Mm-hmm. And you can, um, well, you can definitely affect more keyword targets. But search engines don't work that way anymore. Um, You know, uh, flash ahead to 2014 and it's topical relevance. Um, It's the context of words on page. And I still believe that if if, um, you, as an SEO, you have the the right or or the patience to work... um, to affect uh, a unique title and a uh, unique H1, that there are benefits in that. But um, given that most con- most websites are made in uh, a, a very quick content management system, I think that there's far less power in the um, title statement itself. Now, that title statement, just for, 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 for listeners who aren't um, aware of it. That's the um, text that's used to phrase the blue link on the search results page. Um, You find it often at the very top of the document um, or in the tab, um, the tab that represents the document on your browser. Mm 
The H1 text, on the other hand, is that big text, like the headline at the top of the content section. Um, and again, they're often the same because WordPress makes them the same by default. Mm-hmm. But um, back in the day, when you had to code them all by hand, um, we were able, we had a lot more latitude. Oh, very true. Very true. And because WordPress does this by default, I think that's what the search engine search engines they now expect to see that, and so they've had to lessen the signal value of the title itself, lest good content get um, suppressed because of its content management system. Well, indeed, I mean WordPress is powering what twenty three plus percent of the web now, so. You know, (laughs) Um, and and so, yeah, of course, the the engines have to have to adapt, Um, not to say just, I guess, for for our listeners sake, I'm sure you'll be in total agreement, Um, you know, use, well, there's some some default ones, but, you know, or install Yoast's free plugin or whatever, if you're on WordPress or, you know, your your appropriate plugin for other uh, CMS systems. Uh, It's not to say you can't customize your titles, and you probably should, in a lot of cases, customize your your titles a little bit. Your titles in H1s can still be the same, uh, you know, I mean, if that works for for your site. But, um, you know, well, you've seen it. I've seen it. They they tend to get a little long. And just because it's the default and just because Google does understand it from an SEO context doesn't mean that that's actually the right title for your click-throughs or your SEO. For sure. By the way, you mentioned the name, and I've just got to say this. Um, This is not meant as a product endorsement at all. It's meant as a thank you. Um, Yoast, the uh, Google News, or Google, yeah, Google News sitemap. Dude, thank you. Wow. (laughs) Um, Made what I thought would be a terrible job instant easy. So thanks, dude. He's he, credit where it's due. He does some good work. If you have a WordPress site, you probably already know who he is. If you don't, well, then you haven't been running it long enough. Uh, <laughs> Former webmaster radio host. May still be actually. I really got to keep up with this stuff. Um, and definitely a friend to uh, a friend to SEOs in the industry. Definitely. So you use Firefox, right, Dave? I do. Have Have you noticed um, an annoying problem where? You're having where 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 um, you get like scripts that stop on like Facebook or on a page that has like a video and a whole bunch of like advertising scripts that got loaded beneath it. I have just locks. Yeah, yeah, I have. Doesn't that piss? That, I mean, that's been happening to me for um, over a year now, mm-hmm. and it drives me crazy. And it happens on other browsers too, but it's a particular problem with Firefox for me. It drives me loopy. I mean, like, sometimes spitting mad loopy because I have a page that just gets stuck for 30 seconds or more. I'm with you. I just found out why. Why is that, Jim? Well, you told me, actually. <laughs> um, because the uh, the uh, protocol that we use to transfer information on the web hasn't updated since, um, well, uh, 1999. 1999. Um, yeah. H- TTP one is um, um, well. Actually, it's it's older than some of our listeners. <laughs> yes, it probably is. 
Um, yeah, HTTP one uh, or HTTP one point one uh, came out in ninety nine. Back when you were getting your your AOL discs. I mentioned this just for our listeners, Jim. I know you know. Um, well, we're we're for talking Simon too. For, we, we, it's for Simon, <laughs> right? Hat tip to sign flashback in his uh, for his employer. Um, so just to put that into context, that was the year that Internet Explorer five was the browser of choice, and MySpace. That's right, MySpace was launched. Um, so this this the the protocol that runs the internet hasn't evolved or been upgraded since then. Um, so, anyways, one of its one of its big problems, and it wasn't a problem back when the AOL screech was coming in, and we were running on fifty six k modems. Um, that it, it essentially runs, and I, I'm oversimplifying, but it'll do. Um, it essentially runs things one at a time, right? It, it loads a resource one at a time. It does yep. have some capabilities to not, but. In, in its essence, that's what it does, um, which is why you hit that issue with with things like scripts, where the entire page will now hang up because it can't load the the rest of this script. Um, one of the big things in HTTP two, which has already been approved, it's it's already it's ready to pass. It's going to take a little bit before all the infrastructure will be in place, but it's backwards compatible, so infrastructure can update. Things will just get faster as as we go along, um, but it essentially allows for uh, multiple calls to be made through one TCP IP connection. Um, so basically, it, it'll be, you know, if you have, you know, 50 different resources on your page, it's going to be able to push them all um, at the same time. Uh, it's going to massively, massively speed up <laughs> the way the internet works. It's actually built on um, SPDY, which Google had been working on for their own internal use, a, a different protocol. Um, and, and it was sort of the the father of HTTP2, um, and, and a lot of the Google folks were reused um, in it. One of the other big features for most of us, because we were talking about um, WordPress, and, and so that, of course, leads me to databases, is it's going to support server pushing. So it's going to allow for you know all your resources are going in, but the server can keep pushing data in the background. Um, you don't have to make calls. The server can just understand what you're, you're doing um, and, and continue to push additional data at your, at your machine. Um, as it as it requires, it's also got a lot of security things because you know there's been some um, security issues that have crept up over the past 16 years um, on the internet. So yeah, they're they're upping the uh, up in the protocols there on on security. Um, compression is staying at a at a fairly low rate um, in HTTP2, um, but that was only to uh, address um, some security. They were looking at faster compression, but it became um, less secure. So. Um, so we're we're sticking with a with a slower compression rate than than it could be ideally, but um, yeah, a faster web is coming. They're anticipating some point in 2016 that we'll actually start to really feel it. Um, but there's some sites out there. If you're listening and you're working at say Amazon, for example, um, you know the entire site itself is built for HTTP one. They're one of the you know one of the few sites that actually built their architecture around the protocol to make it as fast as it could be. Um, you know, they, it looks like they may actually slow down because they're architect. I mean, I'm sure they won't because they'll adapt, but if they stayed the way they were, they would slow down. The one place that won't slow down is the HR department. So get your resumes in early. (laughs) Indeed. So what do webmasters have to know? What do they have to learn to, to, uh, to keep up with HTTP2? You know what? What's fortunate is there isn't really a lot to know. Um, unless you're dealing with, with highly sophisticated systems, um, at least, and you know what, if, if I find anything new, um, I, I'll let you know, cause of course this, it, this 
was just announced and, and you know more information will be will be coming forth. Um, but it's essentially letting technology catch up with where we're all at. All of our sites are built with multiple resources that it needs to be able to stream. There's mm-hmm. not much we'll be able to do. There's stuff that on the server end will need to take place. Um, so servers will need to be a upgraded and b um, you know be able to support this. Like there is an infrastructure behind it, like you know IPv6, right? Like there's an infrastructure that's needed, but once it's there, it, it'll take sort of quote unquote take care of itself, um, provided that uh, that everything's in place. So as long as your web server, very similar to I don't have to care as a user, like I'll treat me as a website. I don't have to care that I can understand IPv6. I care that my machine does. Same thing's going to happen with HTTP2. It doesn't matter if. Um, you know, I, you know, my website understands it as much unless you have specific, uh, specific scenarios like Amazon does, for example, where it was architectured specifically for 1.1. Um, but in, in, in that can, there's a lot of technology behind that for the average user. Not a lot you'd need to know. Your host will. Um, and of course, ISPs will and, and this sort of thing. But, and that's why it is going to be a rollout over time because there's a lot of infrastructure updates that need to take place to make this all happen properly. Um, but until then, your site's just going to be like it is now. Um, and then as, uh, as the full chain of infrastructure is in place, it'll just start to speed up. So again, if I find out more, um, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll let you know because there may be stuff that I'm, I'm unaware of at this early point in the game. You know what? I've got a, I have a Facebook page. Honest to goodness, I got a Facebook page that I tried uh, at the beginning of our last commercial. I tried to update this Facebook page, and because of some random script, the damn thing is still rolling. <laughs> That's where I get it to Facebook. Still sending signals across the network, trying to update itself. And just seeing light at the end of the it could, it could take two years. I don't care. You just know that there is an end to the tunnel. And that right. feels good. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is going to be. I mean, it's not to say scripts won't still stall, but it's not going to slow everything else down while it does. Um, okay, speaking of, well, I don't know if this is a script or a slowdown, but it is a commercial break and we got to take one. So on behalf of, that's the crappiest segue ever. Well, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You just listened to the crappiest segue ever here on Webcology <laughs> on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around, more crappy segues coming up after these messages. Sit tight and dove. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. 
Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 26th of February, 2015. Um, incidentally, um, that's net neutrality day from now until forever. Um, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We're uh, rounding out the show. We've only got about 10 minutes left. Um, here's a good one to jump on. Uh, remember how a few months ago um, Google was... Uh, was was giving you warnings, Webmaster Tools, saying uh, your website isn't ready for mobile. You got to upgrade. Yep. Then you remember how um, Google was like um, told people last week that they were, as of now, going to start suppressing mobile results, mobile or suppressing sites in mobile result sets on searches conducted via a mobile device if those websites aren't updated for uh, for for. For mobile? Yep. Not only have they done that, they've also done a new thing as of today. Um, they are now putting a little slow marker beside slower websites, uh, besides non-mobile friendly websites um, in mobile search results. They're putting a little icon that reads slow. Ouch. Well, I, I guess it takes less characters than dummy. <laughs> um, ouch, indeed, eh? Like it's 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 like it's like showing the little like like showing your little flavicon with like his little dunce cap. Yeah. Well, you gotta kind of wonder, like how 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 many how many times do you need to be told? <laughs> how many times do I gotta tell you, kids? Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so there's that. But again, like 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 you said, Dave, it's not like Google didn't um, sort of start saying months ago, "Yo, get on it." Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, it's just like, okay, if you haven't yet, then you weren't. You, you deserve it now. Now it's just website Darwinism. <laughs> like, <laughs> Speaking of, and this is actually this is this is kind of anti-website Darwinism, but it is, I guess, more responsible. Now, Google's been doing this for a while, but apparently they've ramped up doing this. Um, if, you're, if they know you're running a WordPress site, which they know, and you're careless about updating your plugins, Webmaster Tools is going to start scolding you. Really, you'll get a note from Webmaster Tools saying, dude, you got some plugins there, and we need you to update them. Good. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's... Sorry? Here's why I love this, uh, because I don't think people actually um, necessarily believe me when I tell them that their plugins are important and need to be updated, and people in my office who are listening right now will know probably a few people that I'm talking about right now. Um, but hey, when Google tells you, <laughs> there will be really no, no question about its importance. 
Um, I don't say any names, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> and sometimes you could use your show for that purpose. Like, yep, you know who I'm talking about. And now Google's saying it. It's not just Dave, because, you know, my opinion's just one guy's opinion. Now it's Google. And since they're the ones you want to rank on, I should probably be on it. What I have to wonder, though, is even if your site was secure, let's say it's your site is secure with plugins that need to be updated or, or whatnot, um, will Google, now you know Google's seeing it. So if Google sees that, um, will they inherently go, well, obviously you don't care that much about your site because you're not keeping it updated. So obviously this isn't as, like, will they take it as a, as a degrading point? Um, that has to be a, a concern for, for these people who own websites and, and aren't keeping their plugins updated. I mean, come on. Let, let's be honest. It, it, it doesn't take long. Like, just go in, do it. <laughs> right? like, well, make a backup and do it. Indeed. And um, one, you don't want to learn the hard way because that really sucks. Yep. And two, if you are learning the hard way, you're potentially exposing everyone who came to your site to who knows what. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, 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 don't, I don't think um, the uh, saying who knows what is too dramatic. <laughs> it may be an understatement, in fact. Yeah, oh, indeed. Um, did you hear about that uh, that that sub suburban Chicago police force that actually had to go buy Bitcoin so they could free their files on their computers? Okay, I did not know that. I but swear to goodness, sense. this happened this week. Um, <laughs> Midlothian is a uh, neighborhood or a suburb of Chicago, and they got one of those ransomware. Um, they got some ransomware malware on their computers somehow. Don't know how that happened, Sergeant. I uh, was using it for personal use, really. Um, <laughs> and uh, their file system locked down, like totally locked down. And they, the message was, pay us this amount in Bitcoin and you can get your files back or and we're going to erase them in 48 hours. So they paid it. Got the files back. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> I, I I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's you gotta hate to see stuff like that happen to anybody. Um, just because you know you don't like to see stuff like that. But um, you know, th there is an irony there that that is just awesome. And, and we have one more story that involves irony, and, and I know just a couple minutes left here. Uh, do, do you want to take us into uh, the conversation of pornography, Jim, or shall I? Oh, <laughs> I, I forgot all about this one. No, you go for it. This is too much fun. It's all yours. Okay. Oh, what's this guy's name? Sorry, I'd forgotten his, uh, his name here. Top of the list. Uh, Craig. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Craig Britton. Anyway, dude uh, put out uh, or had a website pumping out uh, revenge porn. So basically like people posting – uh, pornography that had been made with, uh, you know, likely their girlfriend or boyfriend at the time. Um, they break up. It's an ugly breakup. Hey, here's where you dump that to get your revenge. That's that's the principle behind this. Anyway, um, now he's uh, he's gone and and he's trying to get Google to remove his identity. Um, and he's and and stories about how the Federal Trade Commission is shutting him down. Um, basically, he's trying to hide his identity, figuring that this just isn't fair and this is a, a bad uh, a bad thing for his name. Um, in the context of a human being that was posting 
um, naked videos and, and images about people without their consent. So, you know, there's an irony. And, and here's what makes it even worse for the, for the bugger. If he just kept it, uh, you know, quiet, yes, it, it would have still hit the fan. Yes, he would have looked like a douchebag. But I wouldn't have known about it, and it wouldn't have been on this radio show. So. You mean you wouldn't have said that Craig Britton is the douchebag who put up a website about revenge porn and now wants Google to remove results because he's such a douchebag he put up a site about uh, revenge porn? That guy named Craig Britton? That guy, you mean? That guy, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just like it's just it, it, he just made matters so much worse for himself. You're never going to be able to eradicate it now. Like now. It's there, and the Federal Trade Commission is mentioned on uh, on Jezebel.com, right? It's just like, yeah, you're done, buddy. And, uh, and I, I, I got to tell you, that that's, I, I, I've been reading the messages out there about the pile-on of judgmentalism on in some cases. Yeah. Um, and, and the damage that does. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sympathetic to, to, that, uh, to that point of view. Mm-hmm. But in this case, screw that. Craig Britton is the douchebag who put up a website <laughs> that had... Uh, Revenge porn, primarily pictures of women, um, and uh, it ruined people's lives. And now he wants his information re- removed from Google because he's a total douchebag who put up a revenge porn site that the FTC is shutting down. What a douchebag Craig Britton is, eh? <laughs> indeed, indeed. That's Craig Britton. I just want to make sure I got that name right. He's the yeah, let's make sure we spell it right, too. B-R-I-T-T-A-I-N. Just, you know, it's not like Great Britain because he's certainly not. <laughs> Well played. Yeah, thanks. I, um, played almost to the end. Um, we're, we're so close. We're so very close. This is like the Schadenfreude story of the day, and I really hope um, I hope it goes away for him years from now after he's um, seriously... Uh, you know what? I think seriously. I don't even know what to say about this guy. What an awful, what an awful person. Yeah, I know. And you're right. Yeah. Give him his, you know, like, like bankruptcy or whatever. Give him his seven years. That's how long he should suffer. But, um, you know, yeah. Hey, okay. This, we got time for one really quick shout out, and I'm, I'm going to get it in here. Um, this is being passed around on the web right now. And I've got to say, this, this, there's a fellow named Jonathan Coleman. His, his blog, personal blog is jonathancoleman.org. And he wrote this essay called Secret Wars. Um, it's a, it's a self-assessment essay as, as Jonathan turns 40. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best pieces of writing I've ever read. It's brilliant. It's composed beautifully. Um, it takes you, fr- takes you from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. It's a good 10-minute read, so it's a long read. But it is so... Eloquently and beautifully written. Uh, Jonathan Coleman is a content creator in the industry. He is known to some people that I trust. I don't think I've ever met him myself, but I'd really like to. And I've just got to give this man a shout out because that was um, damn good writing. I look forward okay. to reading it. There's the hook music. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on Net Neutrality Day, 20, the 26th of February, 2015. Friends, stick around, Webmaster Radio. We've got some great content coming up after the news. Dave and I will talk to you next week.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.